I'm Farah Duro, and you're listening to the PCS Revolution Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PCOS Revolution podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a very important topic with someone I have here named Sophia Ruin Gaucher, who published her first book, A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Our Toxic Exposures, in October of 2015. And she's well known for her work with panels and during her podcasts and on radio shows. And she's been featured on the most popular platforms such as the Dr. Oz Show, Health Magazine, Family Magazine, Mind Body Green, Today.com, and Well and Good. And her own podcast, Practical Non-Toxic Living, will go into detail about some of the topics we're going to cover. So I want to give a big warm welcome to Sophia, and I'm really excited to jump into today's topic about how toxins can affect PCOS for generations to come. So welcome, Sophia, and thank you so much for taking time out to talk about this today. It's my pleasure being here. So tell us a little bit about what made you really want to focus on this topic, because I know that sometimes people can feel overwhelmed by it. And today we want to actually just break it down into a way that everyone can kind of start implementing where it doesn't have to feel overwhelming. So what made you first realize that this is so, this was such an important topic to discuss? Becoming a mother is what got me very interested in learning more about the toxic exposures that I could influence. So a bit of background about me, I had always been really, well, I had always been considered really healthy. I started playing varsity tennis in seventh grade. I was always very interested in a healthy diet. Generally, I was on the low end in terms of body weight, yet I always felt poor energy. I always felt bad, but I was always reading about the cutting edge science on how to be healthy. And so I had that background and it wasn't until I became a mother in 2007 and I had an infant that I started paying more attention to the toxic chemicals in our household products. Before then, when it did come up in conversation, I'd roll my eyes and think, oh, they're being so paranoid because I was always pretty healthy. I didn't think it was relevant for me. But when I had an infant, her biological fragility was so obvious to me. And because I felt unprepared to be a mother, I leave motherhood as I approached my jobs outside the home. And every night I would review literature that were carefully selected to plan my daughter's next day, her diet, her sleep schedule, her play. And it was in this nightly routine, I started accidentally learning about toxic chemicals and products that would affect her next day. So for me, the first chemical I learned about was BPA or bisphenol A, that is now very commonly known, but in 2007, my friends weren't concerned about BPA and most of them had never heard of BPA. And as I was preparing for our talk today and I was researching what the science shows about endocrine disrupting chemicals or toxic chemicals that may influence polycystic ovarian syndrome, I found studies on BPA, and they do tend to be found in higher concentrations in women who have PCOS. But in 2007, when I'm learning that my daughter's baby bottles might expose my daughter to an endocrine-disrupting chemical, 
it was very alarming. And I would stay up all night trying to answer the first question of, is there any credible evidence to support this claim? Because if this were true, my pediatrician or obstetrician gynecologist would have told me. It was just hard to believe, but I couldn't ignore it. And I ended up learning that there was a lot of science. At that point, there were like 800 studies on BPA and the potential effects. Yet the FDA had a statement saying that in current uses, they found it to be safe. So I was very confused. And this just led to a lot of research because I was just trying to figure out what's a reasonable level of concern for a mother of a healthy child. And it just led me to discover so many other examples like that BPA example. So it was just from a place of a young mother who hoped to grow her family and just want to provide the healthiest foundation possible that I grew really interested in the easy things I could do to make healthier choices because I grew up thinking it was just a healthy lifestyle with diet and exercise. And after delving into this topic, I realized there's this overlooked pillar of health that I had no knowledge of. And that's the toxic exposures from what I buy and do. Very interesting. And I think that when we look at what is in our environment, sometimes it's just easy to say, well, there's nothing much we can do about it. And it feels overwhelming to actually start to tackle this. But when we're talking about future generations of, you know, women with PCOS that are, you know, going to be dealing with this and also women who are pregnant listening to this show, definitely it's important to know that, you know, that the choices that we make today can definitely affect future generations, like you said. And so I'd like to read just one paragraph. And if you guys are wandering away from me, just stay with me for one moment, because what I'm about to read you is very important. And this comes from the Journal of Fertility and Sterility that was published in 2016. And I'll link to this resource in our show notes that says prenatal exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals that mimic endogenous hormones may contribute to the altered fetal programming and in consequence lead to PCOS and other adverse health effects. Potentially, this is very, it's very important, transgenerationally. So it's very important to think about what we're doing now is affecting our grandchildren and their kids, you know, so on down the road. And it goes on to say acute or prolonged exposure to these endocrine disrupting chemicals through different life cycle stages may result in destabilization of the hormonal homeostasis and lead to disruption of reproductive functions. They may also interfere with metabolic alterations such as obesity, insulin resistance, and hyperinsulinemia that can exacerbate and contribute to PCOS and to those consequences such as type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And they will end by saying, since wide exposure to environmental toxins and their role in the pathophysiology of PCOS are supported by extensive data derived from diverse scientific models, protective strategies and strong recommendations should be considered to reduce human exposure to protect present and future generations from their adverse health effects. I'm like, wow, in that one paragraph, it gave such a call to action. And I'm really surprised that we haven't done more with that. So what do you think, and this is from one of the most reputable reproductive journals out there, why hasn't more been done? Hmm. Well, 
As I, so I spent about eight years researching and writing my book, A to Z of Detoxing, and I found many historical examples of a strong body of science that had been around for decades, and people were just slow to take action. The clearest example is cigarette smoking, the science that was proving the harm on cigarette smoking and secondhand smoke had been around for decades, but it took a long time for the public to actually embrace the science. Very natural. The fact is, it's just hard to change. And it's hard to believe that something so popular can be harmful. I think that we have that going on. And it takes a long time. I just find that we have pockets of knowledge. So the scientific community knows a lot, but it takes a long time before policymakers and the public also are on board. So as a mother to young children, I, I mean, ideally, this the best thing we can do for public health is to have stronger policies that protect pregnant women and children. It takes a really long time for laws and policies to change. So in the meantime, I focused on studying what I can do because I know my children's windows of vulnerability are now. They're going to pass before the laws will get enacted. So I just think it's very hard. I mean, I think anyone who decides they do want to make healthy change, they become really passionate about what they're doing. And as they talk to loved ones about changes in diet or lifestyle, they're going to experience loved ones not being as open-minded. I mean, they'll experience firsthand that it's very hard for people to change. And so, you know, on that topic, what would be, I guess, the easiest place? Because, you know, for instance, in our clinic, as I was speaking to you earlier, uh, when someone walks in who wants to get pregnant, a couple who was asking us, I'm trying to do every single thing in my power to help us conceive. So what else can I do? And that's a question we hear every single day. And we start, you know, with a simple home detox sheet, just a little homework for, for them to kind of go through their cabinets and, you know, look through their beauty products and cleaning products and that sort of thing, and try to switch out the ones that are toxic for ones that are non-toxic. But what would you say would be an easy, you know, quick start way to really check in and make sure that you're doing everything you can possible to start the process at least of, of minimizing your toxic exposure? I thought of 10 high impact changes that are really simple for people to implement. And I think it's, it's helpful to be reminded that since World War II, there have been over 85,000 chemicals introduced into American commerce, and less than 1% of these chemicals have been studied for safety. And many of these products show up in our homes as useful, convenient products like cleaning products and electronics and mattresses, carpets, rugs, toys. It's really almost everything that have petroleum-based ingredients in in our homes. And so the, I mean, that's both amazing, genius, and incredibly creative, but it's also good to remember sort of the chemistry of these things. These chemical formulas are not inert. So over time, normal wear and tear, sun, humidity, there are various conditions that will release some of these chemicals into our indoor air into our dust, onto our hands. And these chemicals, some of these chemicals have been found in our blood, in our body fat, in breast milk, and cord blood. So they are entering our bodies 
through inhalation or skin absorption and through diet. So while that can be very overwhelming, and that was very overwhelming for me to learn as a pregnant woman and a nursing woman and a mother to young kids crawling all over my dusty home, I identified a lot of high impact things that I can can focus on. And so one is based on all the science I've read, washing your hands before you eat is very high impact. That sounds like a simple tip that everyone probably has been doing, but when you start paying attention to this, you'll realize people don't do it, especially kids. And so dozens of toxic chemicals and heavy metals have been found in house dust, including, and these include heavy metals like lead and arsenic and pesticides currently in use, but also pesticides that were banned decades ago. So they, so by simply washing your hands before you eat, that can really reduce your exposures to toxic chemicals. And second, shoe, the bottom of shoes can track in these pesticides, heavy metals, and other bad things into your home. So having a no-shoes policy at home is really high impact. There's, a, there's an EPA study that sometimes is referred to as the doormat study. And it found that by having a large doormat at the front of your home's entrance and wiping the feet, the shoes on the mat before entering and leaving shoes at the door, you could reduce lead dust by as much as 60%. And that's just lead. So that's an easy tip that doesn't affect your budget. Number three, you want to minimize plastics and canned foods. There are several reasons to do that, but one reason is BPA or bisphenol A has often been found in plastic food containers and the inner lining of canned foods. So you want to, by cutting down on plastics that touch your what you eat and drink, and by cutting down on canned foods, you can cut down on your, on your body's exposure to BPA. And BPA is actually a chemical that can be flushed out of your body relatively quickly. So if you cut down on your exposures to it, then you'll cut down on your body burden of it. You want to balance it. Like when I first learned this, I was avoiding all canned foods and anything in plastics, and that can be impossible and really stressful and make you neurotic. So just remember that even cutting down 50%, 70%, that's huge. So try and be balanced about it also. And no heating foods in plastics, right? That's a big one for for that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So heat, you want to be you want, you know, even if there are directions for plastics that say it's safe in microwaves and dishwashing dishwashers, just remember that they maybe aren't even considering the leaching of chemicals like BPA. So just heat and like scratches in general will facilitate the contamination of the chemicals and the plastics into your foods. So just be aware of that. I personally use glass containers that are safe for both the oven, the microwave, and the dishwasher. And I really, I did avoid canned foods for my children, like the first 10 years of my family's life. And I've started to get a little lazy, but I noticed as I've relaxed about my concerns, their biological vulnerability is also less 
less vulnerable. So as you learn more, you have like good instincts on how paranoid to be. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So another thing you can do in regards to your diet is to eat a whole foods plant-based diet. So some of these toxic chemicals that include endocrine disrupting chemicals are so persistent, they stay in our environment for decades. Some are expected to stay around for centuries and they will bioaccumulate throughout the food chain. So they'll be found in higher concentrations in those high on the food chain. So highest on the food chain are dairy products and then animals and like meat, poultry, and seafood. So just be mindful of that so that when you do have products from high on the food chain, you invest in organic options. And so some great resources to help you prioritize what you should invest in for organic items are two lists from the Environmental Working Group. One is called the Dirty Dozen, and it tells you the 12 dirtiest items in terms of pesticides found on them. And then there's a list called the Clean 15, and those 15 items fruits and vegetables tend to have the least amount of pesticides. So if you don't want to, if you can't buy organic for everything, which really most of us can't, then you can rely on the clean 15 and dirty dozen to help you prioritize. Very good. We'll link to those in the show notes too. So you can check those out. That's a really important. Great. So another high impact way to reduce toxic exposures in your home is to start reading product labels for fragrance. Fragrance is a general name that can represent countless number of formulas with up to hundreds of chemicals, some of which have been found to be harmful to the brain, the reproductive system, your endocrine system, and more. So we simply don't know if they're safe. And so I think you should reduce what you don't mind, what you won't miss. So start reading product labels. You'll you'll find them in candles, in shampoos, conditioners, body washes, soaps, air fresheners, obviously perfumes and colognes. I have been shocked that they're in garbage bags, and it's been really hard to find garbage bags without fragrance. Mm -hmm. They're even in some toys like dolls. So it's taken me years, years of exploration to edit out the products in my life that have fragrance, but I have felt much better after doing so. And home fragrances too, or you see them everywhere, just walking in the supermarket, that aisle is, it just gets bombarded by all the, all the fragrances out there and the scented candles and all those things. So that's like, I don't know why we all have the need to just make our houses smell so strong, (laughs) but it's true. I mean, I guess, you know, that's why we look at essential oils and maybe, you know, just some different ways to, to work with that. So how do you feel about essential oils and like, what do you look for in that particular realm? So I was really conservative about introducing essential oils into my home because I had read that some can cause hormone disruption, like lavender can maybe increase the risk of baby boys having some birth defects, but I now embrace them wholeheartedly. But it's important for people to remember that even essential oils can be harmful. They're really powerful. They can burn the skin. And there are some studies showing they might 
cause hormone disruption, but I think they also provide a lot of benefits. So just look into it thoughtfully before using them, but there are so many healing benefits. So I use essential, I clean my home with a handful of ingredients that have been around for a very long time with no controversy or very little controversy. So I clean my home with baking soda, vinegar, Castile soap, and water and hydrogen peroxide, which is a really good replacement for bleach. And then I layered in essential oils to help clean certain areas. So lemon essential oil has been really helpful to clean wooden floors. And I use peppermint and tea tree oil in sprays around the doors. And I've later learned that they may help manage pests like ants. And so that's been fun to experiment with natu- things I already have in my home to help with ants. But I have found cayenne pepper and cinnamon powder to be very effective. They don't kill ants immediately like the to- toxic pesticides will, but through several approaches, you can totally manage something like ants with just spices. Mm, that's very good. Yeah. And they, they even, I think doTERRA has a blend. I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's good for repelling mosquitoes and all that. So, and, you know, we used it as a preventative lice spray for many years when the kids were little. <laughs> so if they went to school and there was some sort of ac- epidemic going on, just to spray in the hair before leaving. And I can, it could smell herbally for a few minutes, but I, I like the smell of, you know, that those types of essential oils. So, so that's good. I mean, you don't have to resort to chemicals. There are some natural pest control companies out there. I think, I think it's just like you're saying, you have to look, you just have to open your eyes and, and look around you. Yeah. And I think depending on, you want to consider the risks. Like I know when we, one time we're going to South America and I think, I don't know if it was wild, West Nile virus or some, or what it was, but some serious potential disease from mosquito bites. I then thought more carefully, oh, do I want to rely on my essential oils? So it's good to be thoughtful about the risk rewards and even with ticks and stuff, which is really popular where I spend my summers. But using essential oils can really reduce your need for the toxic pesticides. Very nice. And so those are great strategies that I think that are, you know, something that you can easily implement today or tomorrow, even at just, you know, taking a look and, you know, trying to get away from bleach and all those things. And they even smell better. (laughs) So, and the need to also clean everything, I think it, it might also have that they're saying that, you know, it does have an impact on our immune system as well. Like we need germs to some extent. So it's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, not having every single corner in your house sparkling clean (laughs) too, right? So we have to relax a little bit where that's concerned. So as far as if you could give, you know, one piece of advice for someone who with PCOS, who is thinking about conceiving or even just wanting to, you know, change their environment up a little bit and help with some of the effects. And, and we're saying that, you know, toxins can affect future generations, but also that the risk factors in the development of obesity and infertility and those sort of things. So it's not, we're not just speaking to someone who's pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant. We're ideally speaking to everybody, but if you are trying to 
work with a chronic condition like PCOS or, you know, a hormonal imbalance, the first thing that is so important that you can do today is, you know, detoxing your house and your makeup, beauty counter, and there's many other companies out there that are that are trying to make a change and taking all of the chemicals that are not so good out of their products. Those are important. And we did an episode with Kate Kordsmeyer a while back about that and you know, just kind of detoxing your kitchen and, and your beauty regimen. So what are some things you've noticed with, you know, just personal care wise that have been important for you to to change up as far as detoxification goes? If I had to pick one thing, one thing that had a very big impact on me was avoiding fragrance because it and by reading product labels, it ended up filtering out products that were risky for a number of reasons. And I think about it as an elimination diet. A lot of people are familiar with the idea of eliminating something like nuts or dairy for a period of time and then reintroducing it after a period of time to see how it makes you feel. I think people should also do an elimination diet of fragrance because then when you're reintroduced to fragrance, you realize how all the fragrance exposures has made you felt. And there are, there's a lot of risks, there's high risks that fragrance can disrupt your hormones. So I think that's just a really high impact, impact tip to take the time to implement throughout your stuff at home. And I have this online detox academy that details more in checklists, the products you can go through in your home and through your routines to edit your stuff of hormone disrupting chemicals. Definitely. We'll link to those programs. You have an EMF detox and a home detox 101, which, you know, we, and I think EMFs can be a whole nother podcast, but that's something that's, it's definitely around us right now as we're talking through <laughs> all of our Bluetooth devices and, and all these things. It definitely, you have environmental pollution around us as well. So we can definitely get carried away and, you know, start to get paranoid about this, but I don't think that it has to go to that. I think we can just gradually start making changes little by little and, you know, perhaps, you know, spreading the word and, and showing others that it doesn't have to be hard. It can be something as simple as just cleaning out your bathroom counter and, or, you know, looking at your sink underneath your sink in your kitchen and just starting there. So I think what's exciting is once you start doing it, you just feel better. And so mm -hmm. it's actually kind of exciting because you feel better than you ever thought you could feel. And I'll just say one thing about the EMFs because it's an easy thing, but EMFs have been shown to damage sperm quality. And I know a lot of people who have PCOS struggle with are at higher risk of fertility issues. But for the man, having the cell phone in the pant pocket increases the risk of sperm damage. So one easy, one important thing a man can do is just be mindful of that. And if you have to have your phone in your pocket, then just put it on airplane mode, make sure Wi-Fi and Bluetooth are off. And that's a really important precautionary measure. Definitely. That's so important. I mean, some people have two cell phones, you know, and then a laptop. So and you're multiplying that times all the EMF around you that it can be pretty substantial. So that's something that is, I think, helpful for not only temperature wise, because we don't want high temperatures around the testicles either, but EMF wise too, that's something that I haven't thought of. So I think that that's a great thing to pass on to, to your loved one for sure. 
Well, I just want to thank you so much, Sophia, for being on because this is a topic that's very important. And I definitely have enjoyed discussing this with you. I feel like you guys listening are going to be so inspired and ready to tackle this. And I think you will feel better as we talked about just by implementing certain changes. So, so thank you again, Sophia and everybody listening, have a wonderful week and we look forward to talking to you next week. Take care. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you have to check out the PCOS Revolution Academy, where we go through all these topics and an easy to follow, totally online, step-by-step process so you can stop giving PCOS the upper hand. Join me over at thepcosrevolution.com to find out more about how you can sign up and also get access to some very cool freebies I've created for you. I'd love to have you join me inside of the Academy for our monthly live Q&A session to get all of your PCOS questions answered personally. Thanks so much for listening and see you soon. 